morning this morning why Holy Spirit woke me up and said, I think I want you to do something different. So, Brother Bordeaux, I extend you my humble apologies for you putting all that stuff in there. And I'm not going to use it today. But I would invite your attentions to Romans chapter 13. I would like to read verses 11 through 14 on you hearing while Brother Bordeaux was making his way there to display that on the screen. You know, one would think, at least basically from the way I think, based on the current conditions of this world and all the things that we hear going on, that people would just be running to Jesus Christ in the church. I don't know, maybe my thinking's all messed up. But if I was unsaved, I would think, knowing what I know, knowing where I've come from, that I would sure make a beeline to know Jesus Christ. And this thought has been taking, seemingly taking center stage in my mind in recent weeks. It seems to me, based on what's going on in the world, there should be standing room only in the church. But as you can see, and as you have witnessed in recent years, it's just the opposite. That's not the case. And as I ponder this, I ask the Lord why He continues to bring to my thoughts and my mind one word. Noah. Not my grandson Noah, although he's one of the treasures of my life. He's a fine young man. He's given his heart and life to Jesus Christ, yet that's not the Noah to whom the Spirit is referring to. With that said, Paul writes to the church at Rome, which is applicable for the church today. He said, and do this, and do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh. Let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this day. Thankful for your word. Thankful for the privilege and opportunity we have to come together here and to hear your word. I pray that you will minister through this vessel and these lips this morning and these thoughts that you have placed in my heart and mind that we might expound them through the power and presence of your Holy Spirit. And we'll give you the praise and thanks for it. It's in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. Brother Bordeaux, I'll be going to Matthew chapter 24 shortly. So if you want to be making your way there. Paul, writing to the church, expounds us to not make provision for the flesh. Knowing what time we're living in, 
knowing what's going on around us, knowing the things that are taking place in our world. If he penned these words nearly 2,000 years ago, imagine the urgency that should be upon our heart and our minds today. In Matthew chapter 24, that infamous chapter that everybody loves to dissect and everybody likes to try to interpret and, and uh, in the, for the end times, prior to Jesus' crucifixion, as, his, as Jesus and his disciples are leaving the temple, they had been there for a time of worship and so forth, and they're leaving the temple and the disciples are admiring its structural beauty. They're looking at the temple and all that its structure and its beauty, and they're pointing this all out to Jesus and telling him, you know, look at this. It's it's not just magnificent. This is such a beautiful place. And in the process of that, Jesus tells them, not one stone shall be left here one upon another. Now, that's kind of a bombshell to drop on these fellows right then. They're admiring the beautiful of God's beauty of God's house and all that was there and how it was structured and the beauty and the magnificence of it. And he tells them, hey, that's all well and good, but there's not going to be left here one stone upon another. So from there they journey on a little bit far, a little farther and a little bit later while Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. This no doubt disturbed and troubled these disciples. So they come to him privately and they ask him, about these events. When is all this going to transpire? What do you, when is this going to take place? There with the inner circle close at hand, Jesus began to tell them that there was going to be wars and rumors of wars. That nation would rise against nation. He said, don't get too alarmed. The end is not yet. There would be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. It's just going to be a strange time for humanity to live. He tells them a little bit farther on, he said in verse 12, And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Can I tell you this now, and I'll mention it again a little bit later, that... Evil and lawlessness is running rampant on the earth. It's on the march. Jesus said, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. He tells him, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. He said, these are just the beginning of sorrows. Jesus tells his disciples there sitting together about this great tribulation that was going to come. Jesus tells them of his return after the great tribulation. While sitting there together and expounding all of these things, Jesus proceeds to tell them about the parable of the fig tree and how that when you see these certain things happen with the fig tree, you know that summer is near using an analogy to point out, when you see these things, know that we're close. He says to them in verse 33, So you also, when you see all of these things, know that it is near at the doors. 
Then Jesus expounds to them and tells him in verse 36, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. He said, no one knows. The angels don't know. There's only one who does know. And that's my Father who is in heaven. And then he brings something into the picture here that is striking to me. He tells them in verses 36 through 39, but he said, but as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now I could go into a lot of specific details about the how and the why and They'd never seen rain while there weren't believers in that day, and they'd never heard of such a thing or seen such a thing, even though Noah cried out day after day. You better get ready. There's a storm over the horizon. He said, but as it was in the days of Noah. So my question, exactly what was it in the days of Noah that Jesus would tell these disciples You want to know, you want to understand, it's going to be just like it was in the days of Noah. It'll be the same when he would return. In other words, that we would see similar behavior and similar events and similar societal actions. And the condition of the world today as it was in Noah's day prior to the flood. We have to look no further than Genesis chapter 6 to find the answer and to know why Jesus stepped all the many thousands of years back in history and used the illustration of Noah to tell his disciples and to tell the church some things we could see prior to his return. Verses 1 and 2 of chapter 6 of Genesis, and if you'll bear with me, let me just draw this illustration, tells us that men's lust and desires begin to run wild. When men began to multiply on the face of the earth, the Bible says, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all of whom they chose. Strikingly, verse number 3 tells us something about God's position and how He felt about the way things were going in the world of that day. The Bible says, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever. In other words, He had just about had it. He had just about come to the end of His rope with humanity's behavior. For he indeed is flesh, the Bible tells us, the Lord speaking, yet his days shall be 120 years. My spirit shall not strive with man forever. Verse 4 tells us about giants, and we won't read it. You can, you can go back and read it a little bit later, but it talks about giants that were in the land. But I really want to zero in this morning on verses 5 through 8. 
Let's take a close look at them because I think they will shed a lot of light. The Bible says that the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of his thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Man's heart was evil continually. Then the Lord talks about he was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. Now before you sigh with sorrow and wonder, notice the next verse, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In the midst of that bleak picture of humanity, in the midst of all that God seen was going on in the earth and all of the anarchy and upheaval, and how man's heart was depraved and evil continually, in the midst of all of that, there was a man and his family who found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The Bible says that Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations, Noah walked with God. Verse 11 and 12 really hit home with me as it relates to why, in my opinion, Jesus would tell His disciples, which is applicable to the church today, as it was in the days of Noah. Because the Bible says this, about the earth and about humanity and what was going on in the world of that day. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. You cannot turn on or listen to a news report without there being an utter display of violence somewhere Throughout the world, evil, lawlessness, and our anarchy are on the march in this world we live in today. Now, I don't want you to be depressed because God has an answer. I'm telling you this to bolster your faith and encourage you to know that we are very near the return of of Jesus Christ. Oh, I can't tell you when, and I don't know the day nor the hour. It may be a year, it may be two years, it may be tomorrow, it may be 50 years, we don't know, but we do know, based on God's calendar, it's soon. Simply by what we see going on in the world today. The Bible tells us, the Bible tells us the earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was, the earth filled, was filled with violence. With violence. We see violence running so rampant, it's such commonplace in our world and society today. We don't even flinch anymore when we hear about it. Young men shooting and killing young men in the streets everywhere. We no longer even flinch. 
We live in an unprecedented time of violence and upheaval in a supposedly civil society. Much of humanity today thinks little of, of one human taking another human's life. Again, it's become commonplace. The news media today is inundated with news of murder, rape, and anarchy. Wouldn't it be nice if you could turn on the news once in a while and hear about a nice thing? A good thing? Something good going on in our world? And I know they're out there. Don't misunderstand. I, I, I know there's f- good folks out there. There's folks out there that know Jesus Christ and trust Him and believe in Him. Evil and lawlessness is on the march. Based on what Jesus said, you know Noah, He preached... He let them know what was about to transpire. Based on what he said, they just continued on as if they never heard a word. And based on what Jesus said and the similarities of our day versus the days of Noah, I think the church church needs to be ringing out the message of Jesus Christ soon return more so now than ever before. As Paul indicated and pointed out in the passages we read, and we'll go back there again in just a moment. We're living in a time when as I read these passages and I look at these through the eyes of the Spirit, there are so many similarities I see today as it was in the days of Noah. The earth is filled with violence. The earth is also corrupt before God. So he called Noah to do what no one else had ever done before. To preach the message of salvation and redemption if they so chose. But as it was then... So as we see what transpires in the world today, the economies of the world are at disaster stage. I know in the minds of many today, there's this hope and this idea and this philosophy that there's going to be a world leader come along, a politician come along, and he's going to rise to the occasion and rescue the world from all of its calamity. Can I tell you who that's going to be? Jesus Christ, when He returns. If you have your hope and confidence in the wisdom of men to turn all of this mess around, friend, you're going to be sadly disappointed. Because as it was in the days of Noah, so we're witnessing today complacency, indifference, It's been this way for so long, preacher, it really, you know, it's just going to continue on. But one day, God's patience is coming to an end. It could be tomorrow. It could be tonight. We don't know when. But going back to the passages that we read in your hearing this morning,
Paul writing to the church. And if Paul preached this message nearly 2,000 years ago, how much more should we be shouting from the rooftops, Jesus is coming soon. Oh, I know I preached that message when I started out a long, long time ago. I know we've seen all of the prognosticators and all of their ideas on when Jesus was going to return. 88 reasons why Jesus is going to come in the 80s. And here we are in 2016. Many, many years removed. But we do know He's coming soon. Paul said, knowing the time, knowing what time we're living in, I know, you know, that it's high time that we wake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Oh, I know there was a time, even in the early days of my ministry, that I could preach a message about Jesus coming soon and the altars would fill up. Now, most of the time when you do, people look at you like you've got a third eye in the middle of your forehead. Because it's been so long. The night is far spent, Paul said, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness and not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. Then he puts the exclamation point on that by saying, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill its lust. For anyone who may hear this by one of our Sources of media, if you have not made your calling and election sure, I would strongly suggest you do so. For those of us here today and under the sound of my voice, we need to make certain. Paul remembers writing to the church. He's writing to the Roman church telling them, y'all need to wake up. Reminding them the night is far spent. Reminded them we've come a long way down this road. Once I was young, not so much anymore. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. The folks in Noah's day continued right on ignoring the words of the preacher. And ignoring the words of his message until one day it was too late. That scenario and that story is going to be replayed in the history of the human race, according to what Jesus said. So can I encourage you today, don't lose hope. We're nearer now than we have ever been. As Lanny Wolf wrote, we're one day closer to the kingdom. That makes every day better than the day before. Amen. I know it's ugly out there. Some of the things I hear makes me shudder.
And I thought, dear God, have mercy. What is going on in the minds of humanity today? Nothing short of evil. But greater is he that is within you than he that is within the world. Pastor, I'm afraid I don't know this the way the world's going. Let me tell you this. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Amen. The world can come unglued and fall apart. And based on what we've seen in the days of Noah, it will. It is. It's on its way. But we have the promise that upon the truth and the foundation of Jesus Christ, He built the church on that rock, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. So tomorrow when you hear some of the things that's going on in the world, It makes you, startles you. Just remember, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Amen? Would you stand with us?